It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring after the Bengals pull out a 30-26 to win on the road at New Orleans, uh, a game in which it saw New Orleans control the ball a lot. Uh, saw the Bengals' uh, defense get gouged in the run game, but they came up with a couple of huge stops when they needed it. One that gave the Bengals the ball back, and then Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow do their Superdome magic, hook up on a 60-yard catch-and-run touchdown to, to win it 30-26. to and, and you and I talked on our regular podcast during the week, Rick, uh, about just this stretch of six games, the, the four before the bye and the two after the bye, of needing to be at least four and two, maybe even five and one, and today would have put you completely behind the eight ball in that regard. You can't understate how huge that was to come back and win that game. It was funny because I think around halftime when the Bengals were trailing 20 to 14, at least according to my social media feed, it felt like the Cincinnati natives were getting restless. People were not happy. The season was in the toilet. Why are you even worried about this team anymore? They're just not any good. But then the Bengals outscored the Saints 16 to six in the second half. And Burrow and Chase led them on a game winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. And the defense got a stop to end the game. And the Ravens folded in a loss to the Giants, and the Browns got smacked by the Patriots. And now all of a sudden, the Bengals are tied for first place in the AFC North with the Ravens at three and three. And the outlook for Cincinnati fans isn't so bad anymore, Skinny. It, it changed no, quickly I, in a matter of about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, I, I, I get those all the time on Twitter of, oh, maybe this team just isn't any good. When are we going to come to the real Guys, you got to relax. Honest to goodness, on Twitter, you, you people got to relax. I mean, if you do this yourself, don't even bother being a fan. It's silly to me. I mean, if you're that uptight about it, Go do something else. My Lord, it's it's crazy to, to me that some of the stuff I get. Yeah, I think, again, I just keep going back to so much of this feels a lot like last year where it's not pretty and they seem to be figuring things out and there are issues and there are reasons to be concerned, just like there were last year before the bye week when they were trying to, to figure things out. But they're staying in games. They're in a lot of close ones. They're finding a way to win just enough to stay in this thing. And you can still see that the talent is there to turn it on and win games at the end. And there's still the upside of what they showed at the end of last season. And I think when you start talking about this game, you start with the conversation last week was all about the play calling, the offense, the play of Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. I think that's where you have to start here because Burrow was great in this game. He was 28 of 37 for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran for a 19-yard touchdown. Jamar Chase was awesome. He had seven catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner. But I think most of all what we saw here, Skinny, was we've talked a lot about what do you do well? Do you have an identity? Today, I think we saw the Bengals lean into who they think they are at the moment because 52 out of 54 plays came out of the shotgun formation. The only yep. two under center were the, the quarterback sneak and, and then knee. the kneel. Yep. Yeah. So I think instead of being stubborn and trying to prove they can do something they're struggling at, they instead tried to maximize the opportunities to do what they're good at right now. And they put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands and said, go make us some plays, drop back nearly 40 times. And he did exactly that. And he won the game for him. Yeah, you know, I've been a big under center guy because I, I like play action. I think that's what Zach Taylor truly wants to do and Brian Callahan truly wants to do, at least more than they did today. But I think they just come to the fact of, all right, Joe, you don't like it. That's fine. Let, let's do your shotgun. I think the fact that they ran so well out of the shotgun last week with shotgun runs with Joe Mixon, I thought they did it at times today. I think maybe made the coaching staff more comfortable of, all right, you know what, if 
we're going to get shotgun runs like that. Let's run out of the shotgun. Let's let Joe do his thing out of the shotgun. We may not like it. It's not what maybe we want to do, but it's what our quarterback does best. So let's let him do it. And then he did the things that, that you know, we talked about on the podcast last Thursday of, of take the short intermediate stuff. Take the stuff over the middle. Take your checkdowns quicker. And I thought Joe did a great job of that early in the game, which kind of softened things up. And, and really this offense today was probably, it wasn't like 500 yards explosive, but it was by far, in my opinion, their most consistent performance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look across the the quarters of the game and you see uh, a seven or better in each quarter, you, you feel much better than when they've gotten off to these awful starts where they're behind 10 nothing. Now, granted, they did fall behind by double digits in this game and they had to claw their way back and it wasn't always pretty. And we'll talk about the defense here more in a second. But something that Zach Taylor said last week when he was getting asked about, should you still be the play caller going forward? And he said, well, no matter whose mouth it comes from, it's all a conversation and it's everyone has input. It's a collaborative. Yeah, I really hated that answer. Now, I understand what he's getting at, and I understand that that probably in some respects what's actually going on. But I think in these types of situations, someone has to take charge. And what the Bengals looked like through the first five weeks of the season were a disjointed effort where no one was really taking charge and they were trying to keep this guy happy, but also keep this guy happy. But I want to do what I want to do as the play caller, Zach Taylor. And it all ended up in they never really found a rhythm and got into anything. Today, it looked like they just said, okay, here's what you want to do, Joe. Here's what you're best at. And unfortunately, whether we think we should be running the ball under center more often or not, we're not able to do that right now. So we're going to go ahead and go with what works and let you handle it and play out a shotgun because it's what you prefer. And we're going to do the best we possibly can out of that formation. And I think it looked a lot better. Now, I'm with you to a certain extent. I think if you had your choice and you could do it successfully, you much rather play out of center more often in the NFL and you much rather be able to run the ball in those types of situations and do play action stuff to keep defenses more honest and keep them on their heels a little bit more. But the reality is the Bengals just haven't been able to run the ball consistently enough in those situations. So the better option right now is letting Joe Burrow take care of it. Yeah. And again, some of that's on Joe too of, okay, I'm going to let you do this, but you've got to take the easy thing here. And I thought he did a great job of that. I, that first half to me was literally, I really, the whole game to me was literally, all right, you want to give me a seven-yard slant? Gotcha. You want to give me 10 yards across the middle? Gotcha. You want to give me a late check down or I'll get to it quickly? Gotcha. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, the shots and, and that's all good. But listen, take what the defense gives you. And I thought Burrow did a great job of that today. Yeah, it was definitely a much more complete performance from an offensive standpoint. And I think if you weren't going to get the running game going consistently anyways, then this was the way to go. I, I don't think it's perfect. I think there's plenty of room to to improve. And long term, I don't think this like the end of the Bengals playing under center. I, I think there's still room for that Joe Burrow to add that to his offensive game. And in the future, they might be able to do it. But right now, they have to win some ball games like we talked about during this stretch of six. And I think leaning into what they're doing best was a good idea because part of it is you mentioned Joe today was able to take more of what the defense was giving him, get the ball a little bit quicker. I think if you give him more opportunities, he feels less pressed to make a miraculous play and hold the ball forever on every single chance that he gets, right? If if you're going to run the first two downs and only give him third down to work with, then he feels like he has to make that miraculous play and and you don't get the ball out as quick and you may or not, maybe he's not making the best decisions. But if you give him first and second down to work with too, now all of a sudden you see 
Joe Burrow at his best, I think. Yeah, and then the funny part was he made some miraculous plays, right? I mean, yeah, the scramble, exactly. Down and the scramble for a for a pass for a first down, so he still made miraculous plays on top of it. Well, and you know the other thing that's kind of funny is even that first touchdown drive was aided once again by a roughing the passer call, and it was a bad call, I think, when you saw the replay. Great, but part of Joe Burrow hanging on the ball that long and being willing to stand in there and take the hits that he takes, he is a little more likely i guess to get those types of calls i think from officials than some other quarterbacks who maybe don't stand in there and take those shots and don't hold on the ball as much so uh, i i legitimately think in this day and age in the nfl the way they throw flags taking those chances it matters because it, it puts you in position to get those calls from the officials and you saw that help them once again today just like we saw it ha- uh, help them in their last game yeah, I mean, I will say though, that that 19-yard scramble was so Houdini-like, it was absurd. And then the one where he scrambled out of pressure to get a first down, uh, you know, I, I know people get mad because then I got the whole the whole thing of, well, I, I hung on to the, why can't he throw it quicker on the sacks? Dude, he got swallowed whole when he thought he could get out. Of, I, I, I'm, I, God, the, the people are making me crazy with something. I got also got the question of why did they go for two after the touchdown? Do you know why they went for two after the touchdown, Rick? Because going for one get, does you absolutely no good. Thank and you, if you, sir. if you go up by six, at least you give yourself the chance if they score the touchdown to screw up the extra point. Wow. Thank you but, for that. But it really doesn't matter either way. It was just like, uh, hey, there's no advantage at all to going for one. Correct. So why not try to go for two? That's correct. Thank you for that. All right. Just want to make sure you were on the same page. Bengals were six of 10 on third downs. I thought that was great. You saw some big plays on, on key third downs. But one thing I wanted to, to bring up to you, because we're talking about, okay, yeah, they committed to playing out a shotgun. They did run the ball effectively when they decided to run it, but Joe Mixon only had eight carries for 45 yards in this one. The Bengals only ran it 14 times, period. Four of those being Burrow, a couple of scrambles, and then you know, quarterback sneak, of course. What did you think of that? Is that is that a concern that you only give Mixon eight chances? Do they have to give him more opportunities, or do you feel pretty comfortable with the way the offense looked today? No, it's not enough, but I think it was also the nature of the game too, right? I mean, you know, you, you they held the ball so long, you felt like you had to to drive the ball back, and Joe was hot, so I, I I'm I'm okay with it. In most games, I would not be, especially if if the game had played. I just thought the game played out so weird because of how long New Orleans held the ball that you kind of had to get away from the run game a little bit. Now we're going to talk about them holding the ball for so long and the Bengals not being able to stop the run here in a second. But one more question on the offensive side of things: Did you see this as a redemption game of sorts for Zach Taylor. Everyone talked so much last week about how bad he was and the goal line play calling and just overall that he should no longer be calling the plays for the Bengals. Did you see this as him kind of answering those, those cries in the media last from last week? A little bit, but I, I've, I've pointed the finger as much at Joe Burrow. So I think it was a Joe Burrow redemption game. Again, just do the easy thing, my man. And he did. Yeah, and the incredible thing, too. He did it, did it all thing, in this right, one. Right. All right, well, on the other side of the ball, Skinny, the, the Bengals' defense still hasn't given up a second-half touchdown, and that's exactly what they needed to do to accomplish, or that's exactly what they needed to accomplish today to get the win. Uh, it wasn't a great performance overall, though. They let the Saints pile up 228 yards on the ground, an average of 6.7 yards per carry. I, I see them getting beat around the edge a lot. It seems like teams have clearly seen something there on film, but they're getting busted at the, the point of attack too in the normal standard runs on the inside and, and off tackle. What are you seeing there? And how, how big of concern is this defense right now against the run? 
Um, I, I think it's a one-off. I'm hoping it's a one-off. Now, I will say, and you've made the point, I mean, there's no question DJ Reader's absence between the tackles matters. I don't think it matters on the perimeter. you got to figure that part out. But certainly between the tackles, it matters. And now if he's out for whatever extended period of time he's out for, and maybe Logan Wilson's now out, then it does become a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. But I, I'm going to take this as a little bit of a one-off. Um, and I think the biggest point you made, though, Rick, was again in the second half when they had to get stops, had to keep them out of the end zone. Luis Arumos told us a thousand times, and he, he laughs when he says it because he knows we're tired of hearing it. He don't give a care, care about yards. He cares about points. And, yes, they scored 26, and they scored 20 in the first half. But when it mattered most, they got a stop on the three and out to get the ball back before the chase TD. They got the stop at the end of the game to, to seal it, and they held them to two field goals in the second half. And, you know, if this is a bad performance, sign me up for it because I think they'll have more good performances than bad when all is said and done. Doesn't matter what sport it is, fans' favorite thing to talk about when discussing coaches and how good they are is halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what sport, they love for to say, oh, this coach can make halftime adjustments or this coach most, can't. It's literally the most overrated thing ever. It, Maybe not so much in, in well, it isn't even in basketball, because you're still adjusting on the sideline as the game goes on in football and basketball, whatever other sport you want. Wait, all right. It is silly. It's a silly concept. And most of the time when fans are saying that, one, they couldn't tell you what type of that's correct. Schematics the team yes. was running before halftime, and they sure as hell can't tell you what actual adjustments they made. They just saw their team playing better, and so they're happy with it, right? I will say, though, with Lou Anarumo, you almost have to assign something to this halftime adjustment or switch that takes place because it is absurd. Even going back to last year, how many times we've seen this Bengals defense do that where, okay, they give up a couple touchdowns maybe in the first half or they, they, they fall behind in the first half, and then they absolutely just shut the opposing team's water off in the second half, and they did it again today. Yeah, Lou joked to us. We talked to him on uh, Wednesday, and he was asked about, do you have a preference of uh, getting the ball first or the defense, you know, the offense getting the ball first or you being on the field first? And he said, no, like I said, I, you know, I get the whole, we want to double up at halftime. That makes sense. He said, I do like sometimes when the offense has it at the end of the half, I can start doing some extra things, talking to players. He goes, because trust me, man, halftime goes so fast, you don't got a chance to do much of anything. And he's right. I mean, really, it takes you a minute to jog everybody in. They all take a piss. They get a little, uh, <laughs> an orange wedge. And then you sit down and you go, all right, let's do a couple of these things. All right, everybody go back out. I mean, that's do how they, fast halftime is. Do they do orange wedges in the NFL? Is that a thing? I just made that up. Okay. I hope so. I like, I like that if they do. Uh, I know, but, but I mean, it is crazy though, right? How good they are in the second halves of these it games is. compared it to is. the first half. It feels like he does something differently. And I don't know what exactly is going on. I'm not and, enough of an X and O guy to tell you, but. And we say that and the Saints went on and I don't have it here. I'm, I'm going to get it here. Give me one second. I, they went on what? Seven minute and an eight minute drive in the second. Hang on. They went on a seven minute, 48 second drive and ended in a field goal in the third quarter, and they went on another 7-minute and 23-second drive that NFL. So you tell me they had 15 minutes of possession time on two possessions that only ended in field goals. Did they do something different, or they just kind of knuckle under when it mattered most, right? Yeah, well, and that's that's a really good point, and that speaks to the Luana Rumo quote of, I don't care about the yards, I care about the points. He's always kind of had this bend-but-don't-break mentality since right. he got here, and that's exactly what you saw in the second half of this one, because you're right. I mean, it got a little bit worrisome there through the third quarter when the Saints are just running time off the clock and the Bengals aren't even getting a touch 
It's like they got to make up multiple scores here and they can't even get the ball back. But uh, it ended up working out. And the fact that they were able to keep them out of the end zone was huge. Now, I will say a lot of people are talking about the Bengals defense being able to do in this game what they haven't been able to do in their other losses, which was get that stop at the end of the game. I would add, though, there's a big difference between stopping a team from getting a field goal and stopping a team from getting a touchdown at the end of the game and the situation they needed a touchdown. But they got the. I mean, I can't emphasize how big the because the Saints had scored on five straight possessions before they held them at three after the after the uh, the McPherson fifty two yard field goal. They forced them into a three and out in a in a spot. Even if the guy hadn't shanked the shanked the punt, they still were going to get okay enough field position with plenty of time on the clock to go down and you know potentially kick a field goal themselves. Instead, they they get the chase touchdown. But I mean that they they hadn't gotten a three and out since early in the game, and they get one when it mattered most. That just tells me about resiliency of some kind, and that was without Logan Wilson on the field. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the other thing, Skinny, is they did this without creating any turnovers in this right. game. A lot been, of the. And New Orleans has been terrible at, at turning the ball over. Right. And, and a lot of the games we've seen the Bengals defense come up big, they've done it by creating those timely turnovers and right. being able to capitalize off those on the other side of the ball. That didn't happen in this game. And yet the defense was able to still come up with the stops and the offense was able to be self starters and, and get it done. It was kind of weird, in fact, that the only turnover in this game was the early fumble by the Bengals on like Trent, Taylor. Trent Taylor. Yeah, yeah. punt return. Yeah. Did you think I was I, I saw some people on Twitter with this and I, I guess I didn't think about it at the time and maybe I'm wrong for that. Did you think, by the way, speaking of turnovers, that the one that Awujie knocked away at the goal line, the pass down the field, that he was trying to tip it to Jesse Bates? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I didn't even think of that in the moment. I mean, okay. I would have to go rewatch the play, I guess. I didn't. Did, I didn't did you think he did or? No, I didn't. I I saw some people I respect on Twitter that said that. I went, oh, maybe he was. That's a good call. Maybe if so. I mean, that's a heads up play, obviously. Yeah, no uh, question. Yeah, that's that's tough to pull off there. Um, You you mentioned the Logan Wilson injury. It was a right shoulder injury, the same one that he had surgery on this offseason. He didn't come back into the game after it happened. Since the game ended, I don't think we've seen much or anything official, but there has been, I think Kelsey Conway from the Enquirer sent out a tweet saying that there is concern about it, which I I imagine there uh, would be since he didn't come back in. Right. And and I think this is kind of an ongoing thing, unfortunately, for Logan. I mean, he keeps suffering injuries. Um, Last year, I think he missed, what, three or four games in a row because of a, I think it was a shoulder then too. Um, It's unfortunate. If you remember the play, I think it was a shoestring tackle of Kamara in space that actually forced the field goal. It was a third down play. Um, And I didn't think anything of it until I saw him roll down in pain. I went, oh, no. Did he hurt his hand? Did he break his hand or something? Because it looked like he kind of flipped him with his his hand and ends up hurting his shoulder. Um, It's not good. I I guess for me, the, the thought process would be, if you could, if it's if it's bad and hopefully not like bad bad, but bad enough to miss some games, this is not an awful stretch to miss games. Now I say that knowing the caveat being in two weeks you play a really good running team in in Cleveland, but they suck. It's just a bad football team. Um, I, I I think you can get through the next next three weeks with Akeem Davis Gaither and 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 probably Jermaine Pratt as your two linebackers. I mean maybe at this point too, Luana Rumo starts to to incorporate a little more three safety stuff and get Dax Hill some snaps because he hasn't done that only because you're not taking Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson off the field together. They're they're both three down linebackers, so you don't need to do it. But maybe you go to a bigger safety. Uh, package and put Von Bell a little bit more down in the box. I, I would guess he would probably do some of that stuff. Again, I don't want any injury to Logan Wilson because I think the guy's a star. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Um, but if there's a stretch, you can do it. And we're talking three weeks 
and I'm going to caveat, I know what Cleveland is on the ground, but okay, let's swallow hard and realize that they're just not a great team. I know it's on the road and all those things. Get through the three weeks, get through the bye, and hopefully Pittsburgh. Uh, and again, I'm hopeful, and I don't even know. Maybe it's not even that bad. I know what Kelsey tweeted. Um, uh, we'll know more tomorrow because Zach, after the game, said it was too. He he didn't have an update just because it was too soon after the game to give you an update. And I, I believe that. I think we'll get one tomorrow when we talk to Zach. That, that's a huge concern. There's no way around it. He's yeah, such nope. a smart player, but also so athletic. He covers so much ground out there for them that uh, that would be a huge loss. Rick, it, and, and now you're now you're down arguably two stars, right? Right. And, DJ Reader, him right up the middle. That's right, really two, taken yeah, away I mean, from your run defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking away your catcher and your center fielder, your catcher and your shortstop in baseball. How are you going to do with that? Right. I, I mean, how? speaking of DJ Reader, is there any update on his injury? And No, I think it's worth asking tomorrow, obviously. I'm going to guess they're going to hope to get through the bye week with him, too. I mean, I saw him, uh, what the hell day was that, Monday or Wednesday in the locker room. He still has a huge brace on his knee. So, Not great. That yep. is not a great situation, but they, they found a way to pull it out in the end today, despite not having either one of them on the field. So I guess that's good. A couple of uh, oddities that this was the first Bengals game to hit the over all seasons. Yep, the number right. was 42 and a half. This is right. the first time they've gone over. And a lot of that has to do with the Bengals offense underperforming for most of the year. Also Bengals have covered the spread in each of their last four games. So uh, from a betting perspective on a little bit of a, a roll here. I thought the line today was a bad line. Even if they would have lost, I thought that was a bad line. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was a good spot for the Bengals. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, what else do you have from this one, Skinny? Anything that stands out to you? No, I, I I go back to the fact of of I just thought the consistency of the offense was big. I think that again, a lot of it. I think to your point of all right, we're going to swallow hard and let Joe be in the shotgun. And Joe's swallowing hard and going, all right, I'm going to take the check downs and the short routes and the slants in the middle of the field. I thought very early in the game, it was literally he looked and go, where is somebody open? Oh, yeah, Hayden Hurst, there you are. Oh, Tyler Boyd, there you are. And I think the more they do that and the more success they have, guess what defenses can't do to you? They can't keep doing that or you're going to nickel and dime them to 30 points. And if this team continues to score 30 points, and remember, Rick, some of this was less possessions than 30 points, right? Because of how long New Orleans held the football. The more you do this, the more you're going to have to have defenses start to adjust to you again. And that's the that's the perfect scenario, in my opinion. I agree. I go back to the, that this was – the first of that six-game window that we had talked about where the Bengals have to capitalize if they want to have a chance at the postseason. It doesn't matter what these games look like. They just need to have a good record over league, the stretch. Man. This, this league is not an It's just a crazy, goofy league. It just is what it is. And people get so caught up in that sometimes, and it's like, look, 1-0 during this six-game window is a good start. They're this on the right track. The offense looked better. Just take it, be happy, and, and move on to see what happens against the Falcons next week. This ain't Georgia and Vandy, kids. It's just not. I mean, there's, as much as the best team in the league is probably really good and the worst team in the league in theory is really bad, guess what? They're all getting paid, and they're all really good. So They all got first-round draft picks. They all got high-priced yes, players that are yes, earning huge dollars. I mean, that's that's the thing, and and that's part of this, too, is like you can't get caught up in who, who the wins and losses come against necessarily. Correct. Like, Correct. yes, you want to look at that end of the ga- end of the year and say, oh, those final games are going to be tough. That's why you want to make some hay here in this stretch of six. But you also, during this this six-game stretch we're talking about now, you might lose one of these games that you don't think you're going to lose, and then you might win one that you thought was tougher. So, uh, hello, hello, Green Bay losing to the Jets at home. That that Bengals win at the Jets where we all kind of sloughed it up. A guy it's just the Jets. It's a pretty good win now. Yeah, and it came easily. We thought right. that was a bad performance right. by them. Correct, yes. 
So it is, it's weird. And there's just so much parody in this league that ultimately the way I'm looking at this is get me through this six game stretch, yeah. have a record of four and two or better. And I'll feel very good about where this team's at. I, I think that's exactly well said. And, and, and again, Baltimore did you a favor today, losing at the giants again, not that the giants are bad, but again, they, they, they had a double digit lead that they blew again. It seems to be their freaking MO for whatever reason. Great. At the end of the day, that, I, I hate to do it because I always like that last week meaning nothing for me as a reporter because it's just like, oh, great, we're here. Let's have a fun last Sunday. And this year's game, I think, is going to mean a lot. Well, it feels like it's going to. And to be a Bengals fan sitting here, knowing the way the team has played, knowing some of the way the losses have occurred, and thinking you're tied for first place right. in the division, right. I mean, that's pretty silly to think about. No you question. can't be anything but pleased with that. No question. That's That's the overriding point for sure, Rick. Appreciate it. As always, we will be back uh, midweek, Thursday, I believe, with our next podcast, our Potpourri podcast. Be sure to hit Rick up when he asks you the question on the hashtag AskAnyAnything. You can ask me a question on any topic. It doesn't matter. I'll try to answer it the best that I can. And I always appreciate those questions. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Recap Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Board.